0: Hello and welcome to another episode of Father and Joe. I'm Joe Rocky here with Father Boniface Hicks, and Father. With today's episode, there's uh, a lot of moving parts that I don't quite understand. Um, so just for starting point up front, and so to me the the original starting point of what I want to discuss begins with essentially visions of Mary. Um, throughout history, there has been some A lot of Visions of Mary, but some that have kind of taken the church over and become big pilgrimage sites. Guadalupe comes to mind, Lourdes, um, and Fatima are kind of some examples I've I've thought of just real quickly off the top of my head. I know that there's more than that, obviously. Um, So that in itself is an entire mystery that I don't understand. So I want to start with that as kind of the basis point of I don't get everything. However, I can read stuff um and at fatima we have three children that are going up and seeing mary on a hillside over a span of months um and unless my dates are mixed up this is during the first world war but prior to the spanish flu and um essentially they were given three visions uh, that, that they go to discuss the first one being that hell is real and it is not fun. Um, paraphrasing here, please correct me if I'm wrong. The second one being that, um, unless we consecrate Russia, unless the the Pope consecrates Russia, Russia is going to annihilate countries and bring on a lot of terror to the world. Well, that's what the cold war was. I mean, she annihilated a lot of countries and, um, I invite you to read anything that they did to the Catholic priest in Western Europe um, during the Cold War. Russia created a ton of martyrs. Um, but in that in that mystery or in that uh, revelation, um, she says that the Pope needs to consecrate Russia. So, during the span, I mean, that happened in the early 1900s, Popes have done this and apparently many times and not necessarily successfully um which is one of the questions i have is how can you do something and do it wrong when it's told to you by god as the pope um so that that's a fundamental question i have and then if you can just kind of like walk me through the history and i'm sure that since i'm going off of you know macro information in terms of people reporting it that there's a lot of nuances and important details that i'm just Ignorant of, so Father, I basically want you to illuminate my lack of knowledge.
1: Uh, well, and I'm not an expert on this, and I'm sure that I don't have all the details. Even some of the details you mentioned are not on the top of my head. So I appreciate you uh, going over some of those points. Um, the the important thing to remember is that the only one who is bound by private revelation is the one who receives the private revelation. Only the children of Fatima are bound to follow the messages of Fatima. The church investigates revelations like that in order to determine whether there's anything in their content which would lead anyone astray. So that's giving permission. If you want to believe that all of that happened as the children reported it, then with the church's approval, you can believe that and it won't lead you astray. So the Pope is not bound to believe that Mary appeared to three children. He's not bound to carry out a consecration. He's not bound to uh, uh, under conscience to do any of those things. And you can totally believe that Fatima disbelieve Fatima ever existed, and it's not endangering your salvation. So just to put that in the proper category, uh, it's not a matter of God revealing something to a Pope and doing it wrong because God didn't reveal anything to a Pope. God potentially revealed, allegedly revealed something to three children through Mary, and uh, and the church has said, well, it won't lead you astray if you believe that and you follow these things. So, just again to situate that in its appropriate context, um, in 1917, which was just after the Russian Revolution, and Russia was a much less well-known entity, uh, the striking revelation that she would spread her lies across the world uh, the fact that that came true very much as you just uh, pointed out Joe is is notable in, in validating the authenticity of those revelations uh, the Pope in 1917 who was uh, Benedict the 15th I suppose um, I don't know how well he processed all of that as directly even directly applying well, and not just the Pope consecrating Russia to the Immaculate Heart of Mary, but the Pope and all the bishops, I believe, consecrating Russia, performing a solemn consecration of Russia to the Immaculate Heart of Mary. Something like that. Those seem to be some of the key points. Again, I'm, I'm not a Fatima expert uh, because I'm kind of focused on public revelation, which is the stuff that all of us are bound by. And I just have not spent as much time with Private Revelation, not because I don't believe it, but I just have to order it in a lower priority. And uh, so, anyway, that's kind of how it works out in my life. Um, but from from what I understand from others, and uh, you know, certainly that's a uh, it's all important. So there uh, there were a couple of uh, examples in the past. I think even going back to the the 1950s, if I don't, uh, if I'm not mistaken, about some form of consecrating Russia but was it a solemn consecration was it the pope and all the bishops uh was it Russia so then in 1983 pope john paul was sh- or 1981 i guess uh pope john paul was shot and uh, it was on the feast of our lady of fatima on uh, may 13th or it was on the date of the initial revelations and uh and it kind of got his attention again, and he went back into the messages, some of which had been uh, sustained in secrecy. And the reading of the messages uh, moved him then to consecrate. Uh, well, so he consecrated, he he did it in a solemn act together with all the bishops of the world, um, although it's not clear how universal he had representatives. And anyway, there were a lot of bishops present. but. Um, he he consecrated the whole world to the Immaculate Heart of Mary, and so then one says, "Well, the whole world includes Russia." So, um, and then after the fact, uh, Sister Lucia, who's the last remaining visionary, was consulted and told what he did, and she said, "Yes, you know that satisfies Our Lady's intention that uh, what Pope John Paul did." And apparently, the rationale, at least one explanation, is that. In 1917, Russia had not yet spread her lies. Communism was not all over the world. But by the time that Pope John Paul did the consecration in 1984, communism was all over the world. And so consecrating the whole world was an intention to consecrate all those places where the lies of communism had impacted the thinking of people and modern society, etc. So... That would be the official stance, you know, the Vatican news communication came out and indicated that, again, I think already in something like 1954, 1960, the Pope had done something at that time, and then uh, Pope John Paul also did that consecration. Sister Lucia had confirmed that that had satisfied Our Lady's intention. So so the most, uh, you know, the, the kind of mainstream places would say that uh, what happened on Friday, just before we're recording this podcast on uh, March 25th, 2022, was Pope Francis re-consecrating Russia to the Immaculate Heart of Mary. But Pope Francis in contrast to the earlier consecrations, first of all, did send out a communication, asked all of the bishops of the world in their own cathedrals to uh, join with him in the consecration. And the consecration text included Russia explicitly It said, uh, ourselves, all humanity, and especially Russia and the Ukraine. So at least the explicit mention of Russia um, is is prominent in the consecration that Pope Francis led this past Friday. So, um, and and Pope Francis made a a beautiful uh, statement in the midst of that. He said, this is not a magical formula, it's a spiritual act. And he was intending to carry out the spiritual act that was you know inspired by our lady of uh, Our lady's revelation to the children at Fatima and uh, that have been passed down to us and and he was doing that of course in light of the current uh, conflict, the war in uh, Ukraine that Russia has initiated and he was doing it in in reparation for all of us because that was the other part of the message is that also through prayer and uh, mortification, reparation, uh, that that peace would come about through this consecration, uh, peace throughout the world. But it's not just the consecration, also the prayer and and reparation, mortification, uh, penance, prayer and penance that should accompany it. So Pope Francis also included in the formula, you know, the many sins of the nations, uh, things that we all need to repent for and uh, pray for and, and to repair. By our own acts of uh, goodness and and love to reverse the tide of of evil that that washes over the world. So, um, so all of those things are are involved in that. Um, yeah, I think uh, did I did I cover all the questions there?
0: Yeah, you, you certainly started with with the right direction, and um, there the, the, there is more follow up questions. <laughs> I don't want to say like that that that's the end of it. So. I guess I want to start with with, you mentioned that consecration within itself is not um, a magical wand that's immediately going to fix everything and make everything perfect and happy. It's it's an act of spiritual. um, So what my question to that is, is that when you first said that, and I'm probably mixing things up because I really don't understand what, what, truly consecrating a land is um as a starting point um but when you said another act of spiritualism the first thought that I had was well that's what the sacraments are is when I, when I go and receive communion that's a physical act of spirit of my spirit um you know I'm, I'm receiving the communion I'm receiving God so I guess in like Really, like I said, I am very ignorant of most of this. What is consecration of a land like? What does that actually do and mean? Um, first of all, uh, not an act of spiritualism,
1: which would be a, a an act of pagan worship. Oh, sorry. So we're we're not uh, we're not committing acts of spiritualism, um, but a spiritual act. Uh, so, what does uh what does consecration mean? I mean. Consecration is to set something aside, to make something holy, uh, and to dedicate. I suppose would be another uh, uh, word that we use, probably a little bit more often. So, the dedication of Russia to the Immaculate Heart of Mary. Um, you know, what does it? What does it do? Uh, well, I suppose you know if you if you think about it this way. Uh, if uh if somebody were to say i'm going to um dedicate your baby to the uh you know the demons of the wind or something like that uh you probably wouldn't like that very much Mm -hmm. (laughs) because we have some sense that that sets aside it marks a life for some particular uh end and so um dedicating Russia to the Immaculate Heart of Mary is really entrusting Russia to the Immaculate Heart of Mary. It's placing Russia in the hands of Mary. Um, It's what a lot of married couples do when they they offer an homage or they consecrate their marriage to the Immaculate Heart of Mary by visiting the Mary altar. A lot of people will do that with their babies at the point of baptism. Of course, the baby is being baptized into Christ, but then in a special way entrusting that baby to The care of Mary, the Immaculate Heart of Mary. So, we do that in various ways. This is uh, dedicating a nation. Now, what does it mean for for you, for example, to dedicate Russia to the Immaculate Heart of Mary? Well, I I don't know. I mean, you're like just a guy. Um, Mm. So, what does it mean for the Pope to do that? The Pope, who is the universal pastor of the whole world, in union with all the bishops. So. You know, there's some authority there to claim Russia for the Immaculate Heart of Mary. And uh, what does it do? Well, I mean, there isn't a thermometer that you can measure the, uh, the spiritual effect of some of these things. But um, Our Lady says that that will make a difference, that there's a grace that comes from this that will affect the people of uh, Russia and other people around them. And uh, that ultimately will bring peace to the world. One of the things Mary said in Fatima is, "In the end, um, my Immaculate Heart will triumph." Mm-hmm. And so, you know, uh, every everything dedicated to her heart, we I suppose would be would be overcome by that heart, and and uh, and peace will ensue. So, um, but. Yeah. I mean, you can't measure these things. It's a, it's a spiritual reality. It, it works in the realm of faith and we, we act in trust and, uh, and, and
0: trust, believe that it makes a difference. Just as a side question, is America dedicated to, I, I know, I know that, that our Lady is the patron saint of America, of the United States, but is, is that the same thing? Um, like I said, it, it's all kind of mushal to me.
1: Um, I can't remember if the bishops of the United States made a solemn consecration of uh, the United States to the Immaculate Heart of Mary. Uh, they may have. Uh, at the time that she was uh, the Immaculate Conception was declared the patroness of America, there may have been some solemn act that corresponded with that. Probably there was. I just don't know offhand.
0: Fair enough. Um, and then going to kind of zooming in on Russia particularly and, and – this is going back to the biography that I read of John Paul II. He said that, I mean, he went everywhere basically when he was Pope, he, he toured all kinds of places, um, including getting behind the, the iron curtain when he went to Poland. Um, but after the Soviet union fell, um, and the, the essentially, it seemed like the Russian Orthodox church just wouldn't let him come. So, I know that there are some Orthodox churches that are in line with the Pope, um, but obviously that means there's some are not. So my question is, is, is the Russian Orthodox church? One of them. Um, First of all, and second is, is, is there bishops in Russia? I I guess is the ultimate question I'm trying to get to.
1: Um the The Russian Orthodox Church is the official state church of Russia, and uh, the Patriarch of the Russian Orthodox Church seems to be pretty heavily in league with the, with Putin. Uh, as the, the Patriarch of the Russian Orthodox Church uh, was behind the was was involved in the assassination attempt of John Paul II back in 1981. So definitely That's, not
0: in line with the Pope.
1: <laughs> no, the Orthodox in general are in schism. So that's what we we use the word Orthodox to indicate those churches that are separated from the Church of Rome. Okay, um, that would apply to all the Orthodox. So uh, yeah, not not in line with Rome, and not even in union with each other. So it's not like the Russian Orthodox; they're they're really in not aligned with the Ukrainian Orthodox, uh, and they're not aligned with uh, Constantinople in part because of that conflict that's uh, between, well, anyway. Um, So yeah, the Russian Orthodox Church is uh, kind of its own thing. We, We believe they have valid sacraments, so they have valid bishops, but there are bishops that are not in union with the Pope.
0: Okay. So, so it it would be wrong to say that this is basically something that the Russians created when they instilled communism. That that's not an accurate statement. Oh
1: no. The Russian Orthodox church goes back a
0: thousand years. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So, um, like I said, this entire subject is is fascinating to me. Um, and it, it starts with, you know, concepts that I don't really understand originating essentially with, um, visions of Mary. Um, I've read a complete book about it, and not sure I grasp more about it. It was very technical and dense, and it it, it it it's it's a methodology that I just I I don't know if I'm incapable or if it's just that that rich that it's just too much for me to to grasp. Um, which I think is saying the same thing in two different ways. Um, as I say that out so so Father, I I I like I said, I'm trying to grasp around this because as you said throughout there that many attempts different attempts have been doing the same the same accomplishment and the thought that that I'm having there is I guess two kind of conflicting thoughts the first being that um, with the church being the representative of the Holy Spirit um, and the Pope being in charge of it, I know that that there's certain... Um, elements that, that the Pope receives that everyday Catholics do not. Like the Pope has certainly more graces than I would receive being the vicar of Christ. Um, so in my head there, I get this thought that essentially what he does has to be correct when it comes to terms of spirituality and, and, and thought in terms of the faith. Um, but on the other hand, he is also a man surrounded by um other men. He, he's he, you know, he's he's on this earth, he's surrounded by men. So we all know that men are subject to to fault. So that's kind of where my, my my questions are is is why do we have to keep redoing this? Um and, and I get that you addressed that in the beginning. It's it's just I guess a question more about the Pope than the um than the, the revelation being global versus personal revelation?
1: Um, so it, it's, uh, you know, it's it's always tempting to think of these things in kind of mechanical terms, um, and especially for a guy that builds houses. Uh, so uh, I don't hold that against you uh but for the rest of us too it's it's easy to think of these things or or tempting to think of these things in mechanical terms but but it's always, it's more valuable to think in terms of, in relational terms so you told your wife you loved her even before you married her why do you need to do that again um so relationships don't work like you know trucks uh so it's it's better to think in those terms and and uh you know and I mean, I suppose to think of it in relational terms too, do you have to use a particular formula when you tell her that you love her? Uh, well, no, not exactly. But yes, at the same time you do. Um, and and those things kind of grow over time. You know, it's like you've learned to say you love her, but do you love me this way? Do you love me? I love you always. You know, I love you forever. I love you. Uh, I lay down my life for you. You know, we find different ways to say these things. And they they mean something. They express something. And so, um, to to consecrate humanity, the whole world, or ourselves, humanity, and uh, especially Russia and Ukraine, to the Immaculate Heart of Mary, again, it's not a mechanical act that's that's achieving a certain purpose. And and you know, Pope Francis didn't say like I'm. I'm being uh, robotically obedient to this word from uh, Mary spoken to these children in Fatima. And, you know, this is the formula to carry out and this is the thing I'm doing. You know, it's like he, uh, and I don't know what generated this whole idea, but he has a sincere concern for the people who are suffering in Ukraine. He has a sincere concern for the Russian people who are killing them and are dying. Uh, at their hands and the ones that are fighting back. He has a sincere concern for souls who are involved in war. Uh, Pope Paul VI said at the United Nations, no more war, never again war. Pope Francis has quoted him, and everyone should have sincere concern never to engage in war. The The casualties of war, uh, spiritual casualties, let alone the phys- physical casualties, are just so devastating. So it comes out of a sincere desire to do what he can to make an impact. And what does the church do? I mean the church doesn't raise up armies. The church prays and the ch- church prays in a united way. And and I think Pope Francis was responding in part to uh, something that's on the heart of uh, a lot of us which is like I let's all pray together for an end to this war. Let's. We're, we're all aware that this can turn into World War III. We're aware of the nuclear potential. We're aware that the whole world could end with the press of a few buttons. And so, like, what do we do about that? Sit around and wring our hands? No. I mean, we're we're the church. We pray. Uh, well, how should we pray? Well, you know, Our Lady made this comment in 1917, according to the children of Fatima, and and uh, gosh, that seems like an important thing, and. And I think Pope Francis also had a sense, you know, it's the Fatima position has been something that the ultra right wing, if I can say it that way, the conservatives, the high, the the very traditional side of the Catholic world uh, has held to that there's been a real urgency that this was never done quite anyway, for all the reasons, whatever the reasons are, but there's, it's, it's sustained in people's memories. And so the the traditionalists, I think, were very ready for this to happen, for this consecration, and were very ready to participate in it. Pope Francis also, as the Pope, there are some people who would do it just because he said it, many, you know, bishops who would do it because he said it. And even the more liberal bishops who don't pay a lot of attention to Fatima and and maybe are not too convinced about the value of of consecrating to the Immaculate Heart of Mary, they're going to do it because Pope Francis did it. And so Pope Francis found a way to really unite the whole church in prayer for Russia and the Ukraine and to call for peace. And he found a way to alert the whole world to the, the, the danger of war and, to, and, and for all of us who feel so helpless to do anything. I mean, we look at the suffering, we look at what's happening, we see the news reports, we watch the videos, and we feel so helpless. And Pope Francis empowered us to not feel helpless. He gave us something that we could do a way that we can pray and a way that we can all pray together in a, in a very solemn and, and special way. And we do that in, you know, looking at our lady and her maternal care and, and, and looking at our own sins and repenting for them. And so, uh, you know, I think that's a, it's all of these relational ways that, that the Lord is forming us together as one body. Um, is a better way to think about it than sort of like measuring grace points and applying mechanical things that have already been applied. And, and, and I'm not making fun of any, you know, I mean, I, I understand completely where, you know, th- these, these uh, ideas come from. So, um, but I want to just make that shift to, there's something that's, that's more human and more sublime and more divine mm-hmm. in, in all of this than kind of a, a lever pulling operation that's supposed to, you know, crank out something
0: <laughs> yes and, and i i appreciate that that's you know as as long as we've been doing this it's you know, at the end of the day i i, I come from from a building situation and, and you tell me all the time that uh we need to to be in a relational standpoint and you know i think that that's just difference in people um, so with that being said we greatly appreciate you being with me today father and correcting the the vast ignorance that I had there so we will be with everyone again next week hopefully this episode um, you know illuminated other people as well and if so please share it um, you can do through any of the uh, apps in which you are listening to this podcast please just click the share button and let someone else know about it we grow by word of mouth and we've been growing very well and we thank that all to you as our audience so we will be with you again next week.